Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 253rd episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at Hawk Blogger. And we've got a fun show. It's been, it's coming to you on a Tuesday night. I have another engagement on Wednesday night. I feel a little bit like Dana O'Gorman. I'm just, I have so many places to be, so many shows to be a part of. I had to move this one this week. We were hoping that Nathan Ernst would join us this week. Uh, unfortunately, because we moved it to Tuesday, he couldn't. But next week, we'll be back at our normal Wednesday, Wednesday time. And all fingers and toes crossed, we'll have a full crew in tow for that. There's been some news, and there's nobody better to take us through that than Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG, who's going to be our host tonight. Um, she she is, and we and I am joined by Jeff Simmons at Real <laughs> Jeff Simmons. And before I hand it over to Dana, let me just say that if you haven't already given the show a thumbs up, please do. If you haven't already gone to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, Sign up, get immediate access to Slack channel. Now's the time to do it. We are entering the zone of the Seahawks offseason. Lots has already happened. Lots is to come. And we have not taken a lot of Patreon questions lately. And so there are a glut for us to get through tonight. And we are going to do that. So without further ado, let me hand it over to Dana or Gorman to host us tonight. 
You're so sweet. Thanks. You know, you guys have been so busy, like the last few weeks going through your mock drafts, like you've been having so much fun. And I have to tell all of our listeners that honest to God, our DM, our group chat is just like this mock draft. What about this? What about this? And so I was looking through the Patreon questions and there's a lot of questions about the draft and about that number five pick. So we are going to get to those um, for all of you guys. Um, but we didn't ask how Jeff was doing. Jeff, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, um, I've been really loving this uh, Seahawks offseason, but the last day, everyone's kind of lost their mind. So <laughs> I want to try to walk people through this today. And there's a couple of things we need to talk about, but I'm excited to chat with some level-headed Seahawks people. It seems like the, the last 24 hours have made some people uh, jump back off the ledge again. So we excited to speak to you both again. Yeah, it, it it has been crazy. Although, did you guys see that? I think that I think you guys have seen it. That ranking of the angriest football fans that came out today, and I don't even remember what team was first. I just know that Seahawks fans were ranked at twenty seven, and I was kind of disappointed in us. I'm like, what? Usually, we're really busy, so I don't know what's wrong with everyone right now. But I think we're all just really excited about some of the changes that have come around, and and um. And go that are going on. So let's. I want to go back over the free agents that we have signed, some that we have lost. I was gutted. I love Al Woods. It was so sad. I love Al Woods. I love Al Woods the way I used to love Red Bryant. Like they were just like my favorite, right? Like I just loved them. And they let him go. Um, I think so. I think a couple of you guys probably, or you guys mentioned that he might be one, but I thought they'd really keep him. Brian, why? What was the logic behind that? Just his age? I mean, yeah, he's older, but. Well, my my read of that one is that he was nursing an injury that didn't get a lot of publicity last year. He had a surgery. We didn't get a lot of information on it, but I think Pete Carroll called it a tough surgery or something along those mm-hmm. lines. So, and he is older. He wasn't as effective last year. He was still like the most effective of what was a very ineffective line. But I think there may be some injury concerns there. And what I'm kind of curious is, will he re-up somewhere? Or is this going to be a retirement kind of situation? Mm-hmm. And the Seahawks are just kind of moving on. So that's that's kind of what I have my eye on. My They loved, loved, they loved Al Woods the way you loved Al Woods. Mm-hmm. Pete and John talked about him. They talked about having a guy that like, set the standard for what it's looked like for getting off the bus. And this is the kind of guy you want. You don't get bigger and tougher by letting Al Woods go unless Al Woods isn't Al Woods anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of my expectation is that he's probably just not going to be the same player one way or another is, is what they thought. Yeah. I I wondered that too, if retirement was coming or maybe he was debating that. So they just decided to cut him so that they could have the space. Yeah, for sure. I, the other, the D line basically has disappeared at this point, right? Like they have gotten, I mean, talk about a complete overhaul. They have gotten rid of everyone or not resigned them, I should say, you know, as of right now. Um, I think the only real question mark out there is, you know, will they bring Puna back? Will they not? You know, that sort of thing. Um, the other, another player that got signed today by the Arizona Cardinal, Cardinals, Mr. LJ Collier, um, sent out a very nice tweet to Seahawks and their fans. I thought that was very good. Uh, not quite as classy from his agent. It was a little more snide if you guys saw that. Um, I don't think this surprised anyone, Jeff, probably least of all Brian, but I'm going to send it to you because we all know how Brian feels about LJ Collier. 
Yeah, so I saw comments from the agent, and those were pretty Snark. direct. But listen, the guy's supposed to when it's like representing like your child. If you your child had a experience like Collier's had in Seattle, you're going to blame the Seahawks, not blame your child. Mm-hmm. So the weird thing is, I put this out today. Uh, Brian and me, and I'm sure the rest of us, spent so much time last year talking about the defensive line and the front seven in general, but just the defensive line. And sort of what you said, Dana, they nuked the entire defensive line. I can't remember. So it's pretty wild to see. Not only did they nuke the whole defense, every single player they got rid of, to me, this was the most telling thing, is still out on the market. So Puno was a free agent. It's been over a week now. He doesn't have a home, which is pretty telling of how he played last year. And usually some people might blame the scheme, but good players aren't sitting there at this point unless they're older or wanting too much money. Uh, Shelby Harris, Jefferson, They've been out for a week, and then Woods, I think there is an injury thing there. And the first one to sign of that group. So basically every player that played substantial snaps is gone. And the first one to sign, as Brian's laughing, is Collier. And I, when I put out that tweet today, he was in that group. But I think it's pretty telling when everyone last night was like, oh, they have no defensive linemen. Like, what are they going to do? They have, Their numbers are low, all of which are true. But they're all still sitting there. And they're all out there for a reason. And I think everyone saw what we saw. And it's pretty, like, cool. Like, not to say that, like, it's cool that, like, we make this evaluation and we're, we're just talking. And the team sees it the same way. And they went pretty nuclear on it. But, yeah, Collier, like, I don't know if you've seen Arizona's roster. <laughs> it's a disaster. Uh, it is. Like, I was going through when Tampa Bay signed a Baker. And I was like, okay, they're clearly pushing I started like cycling through the sort of the bottom teams. If you get a chance, like look at that roster. It is, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're trying to tank a couple years because Kyler's out. They have that weird new coach. And they have like the bleakest roster outlook I can almost remember. And, like them signing Collier was it's, like almost like a fitting, like, like I don't know. It's so ugly. So yeah, there's <laughs> a lot going on with the Seahawks line. And, if you had to pick the first guy to sign from that defensive group, there's no way I would have picked LJ. I frankly didn't think he would sign at all. So, right. do is there a do you have a gut feeling on are any of those players that are still still sitting there? Do you think that Seattle will resign any of them? Is there one that you think maybe they'd go back after, or are they just done? Like wash our hands of it. I would think Shelby Harris. Yeah, I think when someone gets cut, there's always an ego thing and. Shelby was supposed to make pretty substantial $9 million, $12 million on the cap. So when you go back into the market and you're probably being offered $4 million, typically you leave when you're getting offered like that. But we saw it a couple of years ago with Dunlap, the number that was mm-hmm. just too high. I think Shelby would fit, like him and Jaron Reed could kind of rotate and they could kind of bring different things. And I think he actually still fits, but Woods is a maybe – but I heard similar to what Brian that the co- I heard Brady Henderson says today that he really wore down physically at the end mm-hmm. of last year. And I think that a lot of fans, I don't want to sound like I know more than people, but like personnel decisions are not about how someone played last year. It's a projection into next year. And it's the biggest mistake. Like I remember 10 years ago when like the Seahawks cut Lofa to Tupu and I was like devastated. And this is when I like first started getting into football and like he was my favorite defensive player, but they were project. He, his body was breaking down, and that's the kind of move personnel teams are making. You don't want thirty-six-year-old injury defensive tackles. You want someone who's going to be ascending. And 
when me and Brian did our mock drafts, like nose tackle was a big area that Brian was always looking at round two. And if you're trying to build a sustainable group and not having to go through this cut every player in defensive line every year, Jermont Jones is 26 years old. If you want to pair him with another 20-year-old guy to replace Al Woods, that's what you want to do as a personnel group. And I know people get attached to what happened last year, but typically teams that are kind of ascending like Seattle is, you don't want 36-year-old guys you don't know that could be healthy starting. I I was surprised that they cut Woods because their numbers are just so low there. But I get where you're coming from with where the roster is at. I know. Brian, what about you? Anyone other than Harris, maybe? I think Harris is the the clear one. There's some people that have talked about Ford mm-hmm. as an option. I think he's an option, but honestly, I just don't think he's the right fit for this defense. And I think he will go somewhere else. I'm the most surprised that he has not found a home mm-hmm. yet because I, I do think Puna Ford's a good player, but I don't think he's a great player. Like I think some Seahawks fans had hope, kind of talked themselves into. Uh, have have we seen LJ Collier do anything first? Like, has he has he gotten someplace faster than anyone else? Like, I think there's. Well, he got drafted kind of early. <laughs> that wasn't him, right? right. That was someone else doing. But like, I I admit, I always I struggle a little bit. It was it was nicer when no one paid attention to anything I said or wrote because uh, I could be a little bit more just honest about some of this stuff and now when i say mean things it hurts people's feelings and i don't like that i don't really want to hurt lj collier's feelings i have no nothing against lj collier as a person he seems actually like a great guy and you know there was a time i was hopeful about lj collier as a player for our team but it is kind of fun to be silly about it, I have to say, and to be a little bit mean. And it's, so it's hard for me to walk that line. It's it's kind of my natural tendency, if I'm being honest. So I, <laughs> I cannot imagine your big defensive. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you sell that to fan base, uh, a fan base as like, yeah, this is a guy we believe in. And I think. A lot of players, if you talk to them, they would say draft pick, like like draft, uh, you know, level. And if you get drafted in the first round, some team is just going to think that there's mm-hmm. talent there that is worth giving another shot to. LJ Collier's just shown, he's shown nothing. Like, I mean, really, really very, very little. And so... That has to be when we'll go back and look at all of John Schneider's draft picks. There may not be a draft pick where there is less return on in Mm -hmm. like the cost other than maybe the Malik McDowell pick. But, you know, that was such a unique situation. Like for a guy qualified as someone who got on the field. Has there ever been a first round pick for the Seahawks in the Schneider Carroll era that has returned less? than lj collier has there been a second round pick that's S-Grade. returned Eskridge is pushing that yeah it's true i would argue Eskridge has probably already contributed more than collier has but it, it's probably it's a it's a fair question at least no but yeah he actually looks like a football player anyway so yeah. i i am all for like if we talk about sometimes 
poker and like sometimes you have to decide whether you want to get a whole new hand <laughs> uh we're starting again yeah and this is one of those times like i'd be happy to never see one of the cards that was in my hand other than al woods and for the reasons we talked about i, I can kind of understand why that might have gone a different way so let's get fresh let's get new i think one of the questions is what's jaron reed's role here is he the new al woods because if they have him as nose tackle i'm i like don't buy that i don't love that and no, so I, I, yeah i don't think so i feel like they need a legitimate nose tackle to run this defense and i don't see one on their roster so let's look at some of those um those players that seattle has picked up um obviously the ones that they signed but then so they've picked up um draymond jones just as kind of a recap for everybody just so because uh, it's been a long week and a lot of names have flown around so Draymond Jones, um, Jaron Reed, Evan Brown, um, Devin Bush, Julian Love. Um, those are, th there's a couple of names in there that were really surprising to me. But first I got to know from Brian, how excited were you that they picked up a center? I just want to know, like, did you like beam for the whole day? Or were you pissed that it was Evan Brown? Like, how'd you feel about that? No, I, I was, I was good with that. I think Evan Brown is a really good pickup. I think this guy is a natural center and, I was like an I, generally I'm predictable in this that I don't want to run back players that have already proven what their ceiling is. Austin Blythe was not the answer. He wasn't terrible, but he was not, there was not a, a lot left there to learn about Austin Blythe and he wasn't good enough. So give me someone else. I felt the same way. People like Ethan Posick. No, I don't care if he played better in Cleveland. I've seen Ethan Posick. He is not the answer, uh, you know, on and on. So, Bring in the new Evan Brown is young. He's 26. He has shown promise at center. He's been able to play guard. I think it hedges against uh, both those positions and it allows the Seahawks to potentially be creative in the draft. Maybe they draft a guard. Maybe they draft a center. I know that I, and probably others, like I am all in on them drafting a center, no matter what, mm -hmm. like they have, if they don't come out of this draft without a center, that's almost starting to be, the bellwether for me on this draft because the number five pick has gotten so hard to project. Like if they get Will Anderson, great. If they don't, I don't know. And, and so like, but if they don't come out of this draft with a center and really it's to me, it's, it's, it's Whipler or Schmitz, then I will be pretty devastated. So that's kind of, I don't think Evan Brown blocks that from happening. No, you know, we're all about competing, right? <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. That's right. Um, I want, before we talk about Julian Love, cause I do want to talk about Julian Love, Devin Bush as a linebacker. Uh, okay. So we all saw the tweet right after the NFC championship game. He was ripping apart the Seahawks and their fan base. He deleted that tweet from what 15 uh, and uh, then he <laughs> has come back and now he's so excited to be there. Right. Um, in Seattle, it, Jeff, does he? What does he bring to the table? I mean, he hasn't been a superstar standout, and injuries, yes, we get that. But, 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 what does he bring here? I mean, is he a step up from Cody Barton? Is he not? Where's he at? Um, it's a lottery ticket, to be honest. Yeah. It's a total lottery ticket. Devin Bush was one of the best college linebackers that's been in the draft in the last seven years, and when he came out, the Steelers, who are pretty like conservative in the draft they traded up nine spots to get him and his rookie year he looked like that guy 
he was like the Devin White, Darius Leonard, like kind of sideline to sideline speed linebacker. The COVID year in 2020, Bush tore his ACL but early in the season. And he was like an, on the all-rookie team. And then that since he that injury, he has not been close to the same player. He's been physically just not as fast. And he hasn't been as good as well. And that's hurt his coverage a little bit. And then he's shied away a bit from contact. He's been a little intimidated. The Seahawks are probably banking on him getting into a new environment. Pete Carroll, what he can do for people's confidence and that. But in terms of what you're going to project, it's a total dice roll. Like Cody Barton could be a better player at this point than Devin Bush is given the injuries. And it's scary. I know, but to me, it's a, it's a flyer. It's a flyer. You have to continue to add to that group. You can't bank on anything. It's a smart move from just a roster standpoint, because if it hits, you're getting a 24 year old linebacker Mm -hmm. and who was a stud like his rookie year. But if you're counting on him to beat Jordan Brooks or something next year, and his, his salary came in very similar to Barton. So I'm guessing, I don't think Seattle had a lot of interest in bringing Cody back. And from what I heard, I don't think Cody wanted to come back. I think mm-hmm. Cody chose a, a very strong defensive line to kind of hide his deficiencies. That was a smart move by him and his agent, but we don't know what you're getting. If he returns to 2019 form, that's the best signing of free agency. I saw Albert Breer shout out that, it was one of his favorite moves of free agency, which caught me off guard, but it could, that's a move that can totally fall in their face. And they haven't had a lot of great success sort of trying to find these top 10 picks and try to revitalizing them. <laughs> Brian, are you excited? Cody Barton's gone. <laughs> Always. I mean, if you just want to get me psyched about next year, talk to me about the players that are no longer on the team. That, that is oh, a, <laughs> that is a big motivator. There's like a say- certain part of, Sorry to cut you off. There's a certain part of our uh, fan base. If you, they got rid of Cody Barton, Travis Homer, LJ Collier. If you just had threw Jason Myers in there, like Puna Ford, Puna, yeah, it's like probably the most like controversial player in Seahawks Twitter. <laughs> All of them got wiped out this year. They did. I will say this. I was real happy for Rashad Penny to get a chance with the Eagles. I, I really like Rashad Penny. I think that he has had just bad luck. And to be honest with you, as much as I would have liked to see him back in Seattle, I think a, a change of scenery is probably going to be real good for him. So I'm I'm glad for him for that. And, you know, he didn't want to sit behind Kenneth Walker. I wouldn't either if I were him. So, so good luck to you there, Rashad. Okay, let's talk about love for just a minute. Okay, so safety, Julian Love. Um, Added to an already pretty talented, don't argue with me, people, pretty talented safety group, <laughs> whether you want to say it or not. Um, where does he fit? This was a big deal. This was a great get. And so where does he fit, Brian? Where does he sit? Let's assume two things, that Quandre is there and that um, Adams is healthy, which we can talk about as a question mark. That injury of his is sometimes career ending. So this is like a big deal. But... Um, but where does he fit saying that those two players are, are ready to go? Well, I, th- I think that it's important to almost compare and contrast the Bush signing with this one. Oh. As, as Jeff talked about, the Bush signing is kind of a lottery ticket. I, I'm pretty, I generally am pretty optimistic about new guys and I see the upside I'm pretty pessimistic about Bush like coming in. I feel that 
he has to be a different player than the one he's been for the last couple of years. And people are like, Oh, his injury, like injury was two years ago. Like he's had plenty of time to recover from the injury. Steelers moved on from him. My expectations are super low for him. I, I think there was a lot, a lot better options at linebacker for the Seahawks to get in this free agency period. And they decided to go ultra cheap. And I think they've put the defense at risk by doing that. So there's a lot of work left to be done at linebacker. Now, on the flip side, the Julian Love thing was like, well, we don't have an obvious need at safety. Not only do we have Quandre Diggs, not only do we have Jamal Adams, we have Ryan Neal. That's a really good trio. Like, how much more do you need? And here's the other fact. If you add good players to your team, your team gets better. Mm-hmm. That sounds like obvious, but people forget that. And Julian Love is a good football player he was the captain of the Giants defense this guy he is like Quandre in that his whole team spoke up when he was signed with Seattle like they were not happy to see him go they believe in him and this guy has performed at a box safety level where he can play close to the line of scrimmage he's performed as a free safety he's performed as a nickel corner and he's a big nickel so I think there is zero downside, zero downside of adding a guy like Julian Love. The only question is who else is going to be on the field with him? Because he's going to be one of the guys that's on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think it does bring into question whether Jamal gets cut, restructured, or whatever. I absolutely think it brings that into question. I don't think Quandre is going to get cut. I think he saved his contract with the way he finished mm-hmm. the season. I think that it is fair to question what happens at the nickel corner spot. As much as we like what we saw from Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. he wasn't flawless. I thought he really improved as the season went on, but he wasn't flawless. So yeah, I, it may, people are talking about that Jamal Adams now can play more linebacker, which was part of the plan. Yes. The last year. Fine. Until Jamal Adams is on the field, I'm not really thinking about Jamal Adams. I consider him essentially not on this team until he's on the field. That's how I think you have to plan. And I think that's how Schneider and Carroll are planning their roster. I agree. And I I think they pretty much said that, that, you know, that this was, you know, a hedge in case Jamal can't get on the field at the beginning of the season, which I think surprised a lot of people. But once again, that when you go back and look at that injury that he had, it's not really all that surprising. Um, although he is running now, so that's great. But um, I, I find that the free agent class so far, at least in my opinion, it has looked pretty good. It's like they went after guys that they wanted and guys that fit and guys they thought should come in. I was surprised at Jaron Reed coming back and yet P looks so damn excited to have him back. So I'd like, maybe we've missed it. Maybe he's faster. Maybe he's better. And he did play a little better the year after he left. Seattle. So we'll see kind of what happens there. But, um, but all in all, you know, the guys that they kept, you know, with, Phil Haynes, we'll say that for Brian, Phil Haynes, but more like Gino and Jason, Nick Bloor, those guys. Um, and then even more telling, like we've been talking about, it, it's more telling the guys they didn't resign. I think that that's kind of the bigger play here. So with that in turn, we probably need to then look at the draft. So a couple of mock drafts came out. Um, Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kipper both came out with a new mock draft um, going into 
um, this right after free agency. So at the, basically the second wave of free agency, um, they came up with two different scenarios. I will tell you that, uh, was not happy to see wide receivers in the first round from both of them. I need you guys to explain to me why the hell we need to get a wide receiver in the first round, because it's dry. I know Jeff, this is like your deal. And so I'm going to let you tell me, but I understand wanting a third wide receiver. I get that. But with all those defensive players, why would you go after a wide receiver in the first round? Jeff, go first. Because I know um, you're I honestly don't think they're going to. I, I, I hope not. <laughs> I think it's a long shot. Uh, they do need a third receiver, though. Mm-hmm. And around 20, they're sort of a sweet spot. This draft doesn't have the type A. They don't have a wide receiver one in this draft. Mm-hmm. There's no... Like next draft has Marvin Harrison Jr. He would be like the top three pick in this draft. Uh, we saw Jamar Chase. We've seen some other. Last year there was like Olave and Wilson. This draft the receiver value on around the twenties, and it's kind of a weird area. Of this, this draft where not a lot of so. If you look at Seattle's cap, this year DK and Tyler are pretty affordable. They're both under sixteen million, mm-hmm. which does might sound like a lot, but. For receivers of their caliber, that's actually a very low price. Next year, they both skyrocket over 23 each. So they both go to over 23 each. Tyler's starting to get a little older. And just looking at their cap, it looks like they need to slot in a cheaper receiver. And we saw it last year. Tyler got hurt in that Kansas City game. He didn't play. Their passing offense was trash. And they're kind of playing with fire there. But round one, it's just not in their nature. It seems like Pete and John have kind of prioritize other positions. They found DK Tyler second day two. So I honestly think it will be day two. The reason I kind of like the receivers, I like that Ohio state receiver a lot because of how well he complements what they have. I don't know if he'll, I don't think he's going to make it to 20, to be honest. I think just there's too many teams with receiver needs somewhere above them. But like for me, this team needs a slot receiver that can make things easier on Geno Smith to complement the two deep guys they have. Mm-hmm. And if you watch something like the way his teams win, like they, that quick slot receiver that opens up the middle, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is a perfect fit to complement those other guys. I saw DJ have them with Jordan Addison. He's more of like a Keenan Allen style player. Mm-hmm. He's like a smaller route runner. But just historically, you can find receivers day two and to invest the third receiver with all these other needs in the trenches. I frankly don't see it happening, but I get why the mock drafts come there because just from a value standpoint, it's a real sweet spot. Yeah. I, the only thing that made sense to me about taking a wide receiver in the first round was if they know, which we won't know for a while, but if they know Tyler's on his way to being done, you know, he has his real estate business, he's getting married. Maybe he's decided, you know, he's going to finish out this contract, do whatever, and then maybe not come back. I, we don't know that. We won't know that. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Otherwise, and, and, Brian, I don't know if you agree or not. Otherwise, there there seems to be enough depth in this draft that you don't have to waste any really of those first four picks on a wide receiver. Unless, like JSN, everyone keeps saying JSN, JSN in the chat. I, I get that, that he is someone that everyone really likes. I just, I just feel like there's way too many other pressing needs. I hear you. I think that there's a few variables there. I do believe receivers are a pretty important need for this team. And I'm not someone who's super receiver centric, but a third receiver has just been a glaring hole for this team for a while. I, mm-hmm. I won't repeat everything Jeff said, but we've said it before. 
we are missing a Doug Baldwin like, you know, slot receiver, someone who can can, you know, regularly get open on third downs, who is quick more than fast, not a deep threat. You put someone like that with Gino, I think people haven't even seen. Like, I think Doug Baldwin would have been a Hall of Fame receiver if he played with a quarterback that was better at pre-snap reads, more accurate, better rhythm passer. Like, if he was playing with a Tom Brady, I think he would have absolutely destroyed what we saw from Julian Edelman and folks like that. I think he was a significantly better, smarter, more talented slot receiver, but he wasn't playing with a quarterback that could really accentuate. And he still was good. So I think you put him with Gino, who's much smarter in a lot of ways on the field. I think you'd see a lot of benefits. So I do believe in the need. Where I start saying, if you're going to go receiver in the first round, gets more likely is, if they do go quarterback with that first pick and you know how I feel about it, but if they do, then it's like, all right, you're changing your timeline. Then add his receiver, let him get his first receiver, start working with him. Cause that will be a primary connection point. Cause Tyler won't be probably in that timeline. Um, but there's other things, but I, I won't, I won't belabor it, but those are the things that come to mind for me. Ooh, you're on mute. See, I'm trying to make sure that there's no background noise and see that's what they do. So, so um, that's what Mel Kipper has. So Mel Kipper has, um, has um, the Seahawks taking Richardson, Anthony Richardson at number five, and then taking um, a wide receiver at 20. Um, there's a lot of Patreon questions about that number five pick. So I don't know if we want to wait and talk about that more when we get... Um, to the Patreon questions. Um, but I think that the general consensus consensus for most people, what I'm seeing in a lot of mock drafts, and there's so many out there and it, there's, you know, my friend Dan Beans does one there. They're all over the place and nine times out of 10, it's yay. Thank God. Will Anderson felt us. Right. And then the second one is the argument between Jalen Carter and um, Wilson between those two and there are very op definite opinions about which one you should take i understand that people have issues with carter um i don't personally but and then wilson so i think that a lot of people are still leaning defense in those first couple um but i think that what we'll have to see is some movement in the four spots above us before we'll we have an idea but i would this is the point i was going to make about the draft because you guys have been doing mock drafts you know for weeks here is the fact that as random as they are and how much they are continuing changes, it just goes to show that no one has any freaking idea what Snyder and Pete are going to do, right? Like we think we know, we have an idea. They keep hinting they're going to take the best player possible, but truly no one has any idea. And then today that tweet came out that John, Pete, and the entire front office and all the coaching staff are all going to go see I love that they said they're going to go see CJ Stroud. Well, forget the other fantastic players that are there, but that's where they're going. I think that it just gives people kind of more fodder for changing up their, their draft, their mock drafts a little bit. Um, do you guys still see them though, going defense with those first two? Are, Brian, do you still think they're going to trade back? <laughs> I want to. Look, it, I, I think that this has become a really, a really evolving situation at number five. Mm -hmm. They are at the eye of the storm because 
I don't even know last time if if Carolina had already made the trade last time we had talked or not. We've talked like Jeff has predicted that we expected that might happen. So you got Carolina at one. Chicago's no longer a, a, at play in the first four picks. You've got Arizona at three, and if they trade out, then you could you could really end up with four quarterbacks going first. And if that happens, that's kind of my ideal scenario. I don't know if it's everyone ideal scenario. Definitely. If that doesn't happen, the chances that Will Anderson falls to you are pretty small, mm -hmm. maybe zero. And if that, I mean, maybe, maybe like, maybe Arizona loves Wilson, right? And they go after Tyree and that would be fantastic. But if not that, I think you have to look at trading back. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it makes, I think it's really tough to justify Jalen Carter based on what we know right now. I think it's really tough to justify almost any other player at five right now. And I think if you can pick up another second round pick as a result in all the mock drafts, Jeff and I have done, like it becomes a much more positive outcome for this. I, like the chances of, of, of coming out in a really good place improve greatly if you add another second round pick and i don't think it matters that much whether you're at five or seven or eight in this in this if, if you're going back to like 15 i feel differently mm -hmm. yeah i think that that makes sense for sure all right should we let me pull up these patreon questions because there were a ton about the draft and i know that these guys want your opinions on that so let me pull that up um jeff since brian just answered that let me give this one to you sure um Question from level from one to 10. How convinced are you that the Seahawks will trade back from five? If Arizona takes Anderson, even if Carter's sitting there, I'd say, or Wilson's sitting there. I'd say three to 10. I'm convinced. Um, I just think there's so many variables that we don't, we're just not privy to one. The evaluation of Carter for Seattle has a huge impact on their strategy because if they don't like Carter, I think they, they shift automatically into Brian's strategy, and you have to think like that. Tyree Wilson's a guy that's kind of gone quiet, but the league really likes him. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't been able to work out yet because he's coming from a foot injury. But if you're comfortable with him at that kind of level, you can you can pick him at five or you can move down. So, And the quarterback thing is still lingering there. It's still a wild card. I don't know if it's going to happen. I do agree with Brian. I think it should be defense first. I think you should right now, the way the draft looks is you should be in a spot to get your number one or two ranked defensive player. Mm -hmm. And to me, looking at the numbers on Seattle's D line and where they're deficient, it's impossible for me not to lean there unless they think like Anthony Richardson is, but how do you take like a third string quarterback when they are so deficient in one area? So I, I don't, I'm not yet that convinced they're going to trade down, but there's just so much information that has to be settled in the next five weeks. Jalen Carter thing. They like Jalen Carter. They're going to be thrilled to take him at five because he's probably the number one guy in most media boards. They don't. The pool changes. Mm -hmm. And you really need to come out of this with an impact defensive lineman. And Tyree Wilson, we're still not sure schematically, A, where he fits, B, if he's being raised up because there's nowhere else around or if he's more of an athletic freak than a football player. I could see Seattle also really liking like Lucas Van Ness, who's mm -hmm. a guy – if you maybe you move down a little bit, so 
I'm not convinced yet, but I think I think what Brian said before is spot on. I said I was ready to argue with him, but <laughs> you did. Yeah, I'm waiting. Where's the <laughs> argument? We 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 we, we like because I'm not convinced that like we're screwed if we don't get Will Anderson. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of good scenarios. That... I don't think we're screwed. Okay, um, I think that's what I'm arguing about. about. I'm arguing about your argument. I, I don't think we're screwed. I, I think that there is a significant gap in terms of draft scenarios where between uh, one that you get Will Anderson and one that you don't. And I think that if you don't, the risk profile of this draft increases dramatically, even if you're a believer in Jalen Carter and I get it, we've got folks in chat who are big Jalen Carter fans. I get it. And like, there's just no question that a guy that, has not proven he loves football the way other players have has not proven that he takes care of himself the way others have has not like there's you don't get these kind of questions coming up about a guy who has no risk associated with him so it's a risk and will anderson's certainly a risk too but he's more of a typical risk he's more of like yeah, is he going to work out in the NFL as well as he played in college? Other yeah, I think the risk with him is just like, how great is he? I think we know he's going to be really good. I think that's probably true. Yeah, and that, that's a risk, though. Like, when you're, you're drafting in the top five, you're hoping for great. So, yeah. I, I, I wish that – I wish, for example, like a Brian Bruzzi had – turned into somebody who was like a, a super high riser that everyone loved and his tape was way better. Like I wish there was another interior lineman who really just flashed mm-hmm. and the guys that have kind of flashed are more going to be available later. Like Kalijah Cansey, who knows, man, like, is it totally out of the question that someone takes Cansey in the top 10? Like, I think that's possible. Philly, I think he'd be perfect. I, and it would crush me, dude. Like Philly consistently, Roseman consistently takes the guys that I want on the defensive line, sometimes on the offensive line. So, well, I mean, that happens every year, though, right? There's a player that people are think is going to be down at like 22, whatever, and they end up going eighth, you know, because someone really liked them, and that he could be the kid. Yeah. Yeah, I think he is the guy that I look at as being a real potential um, to cause that kind of issue for for the Seahawks. I, anyway, that would be a guy that I'd be feel like is higher. I would be more excited about Cansey at twenty than I would be at Carter at five. Hmm. That's interesting. So that first question was from actually this um, one is from Imani and it's really close to the similar. So it says, we've heard so much about who's going at number five. What's your favorite trade down scenario from our top pick team and or player, Jeff, what's your favorite trade down? Or do you just flat out? No, don't want them. No, to trade? No, I'm open. Uh, I think the sweet spot is the Raiders. I think mm-hmm. what Brian I mean, Brian did a lot of mock scenarios. <laughs> you don't and, think you don't think they're gonna stick with Jimmy G? What? I don't understand. Oh, <laughs> well, I think Jimmy G is fine, but like the quarterbacks you're gonna get in that second tier of quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson or even Levis, especially Anthony Richardson, he's not ready to play right now. Fair. And that I think that pairs perfectly with Garoppolo, who you, is the opposite. You know exactly what you're getting. He can get you through this first season while you develop the guy. 
And I think Richardson or even Levis pairs great with that while you're developing it. So, A, Jimmy G can't stay healthy. So, anyway, back to the question. Um, I think with Seattle, then you're still in the same – if you're not Jalen Carter crazy, you're still in the same range. You get, you're going to get one of those guys that are still going to be there. And you can set it up where me and Brian did a lot of trades where they got their second-round pick. So if you can come out with another second-round pick and you'd have back-to-back seconds like last year, I think your board looks much stronger in that scenario where you get the same quality of defensive player, double in the second round, which is the strength of the draft. Because before I thought Carolina to nine was the really good mock spot because you could have potentially dropped low enough where you could have got their first next year. I think you'd have to drop to like Tennessee – potentially to get a pick like that and 11. And then you're kind of in a weird zone where there's not really that impact defensive player. Maybe you can get like Jeffrey Simmons out of them or something and get that defensive player there. But I still think the five, seven swap is the best spot for Seattle. Brian, you too. Here's the uh, Jeff and I've done this enough. I, I agree. That would be ideal. I have, I have concerns that, unless the Raiders believe really believe that the Seahawks will draft a quarterback or they believe Detroit will draft a quarterback. I don't think there's any reason for the Raiders to trade up any longer. Um, the most likely outcome is three quarterbacks are going to be gone by the time Seahawks picks. So there'll be one quarterback left. And unless you believe the Seahawks or Lions would do it, I don't think the Raiders will trade up. Now I could be wrong and I hope I am. But if not, then you actually start having to hope that Atlanta thinks the Raiders are going to pick a quarterback and Atlanta at eight wants to move up. That's your, that becomes, I think your best bet. Um, and yeah, uh, it starts to feel a little thin, um, at that point. Oop, you are on mute again, Dana. So sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not used to hosting, Brian. So you like a swear a great job. I do. <laughs> um, Hunter, um, uh, uh, noting that we have four safeties, who do you think will get cut? And if no cut, no one gets cut, do you think they could ask Jamal just to simply move to linebacker? We Jeff. did touch on this a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. do you, I don't think they would just straight up have him trade positions, though. I think there's a chance he would play predominantly in a linebacker role, but again, there are so many questions about Jamal and whether he, well, even if he can play again, Mm -hmm. what amount of snaps he's going to be able to play. And so I, I just, I don't know. I, I think put your hand over Jamal Adams. Don't assume that he's part of the roster until he's on the field. Fair. Jeff, this one's from Troy. It says, would you be happy or sad if the Seahawks traded, straight up traded the number five pick for an established elite defensive lineman? Assume that the top three quarterbacks and Anderson are gone. Um, It would depend who. Right. Like if you're getting uh, one of the best players in the league, Max Crosby, someone like that. The way the draft's shaking out, like, I wouldn't hate it. The problem is, like, just from, like, building a team and cap and fitting in all those salaries, they really need players like this because they're going to have to pay a bunch of money in the next couple of years to certain players. Mm-hmm. So getting guys who are cheap and young 
is a just much more sustainable way to build a team. So it would take like a really, really special kind of trade, but uh, I, I don't want them doing that. I want them to draft a guy. They haven't been here in the spot. They've had such bad luck trading for guys. So if it's someone that needs like Jeff Simmons on Tennessee is one of the same names me, one of the best defensive linemen, they have to pay him coming up. So you're going to pay a fifth overall pick to like pay that guy 20 million a year. Right. To me, that's just not a good way of using these resources. I'd rather move one of the second rounders and try to get someone like that. If you're going to do that move like that. Mm-hmm. I know the draft pool is kind of the Jalen Carter thing. It just stinks because the way the draft looked a month ago and Seattle, which would have been in the prime spot after that Carolina trade, you get one of those guys. They're under, so they're in kind of a tricky spot. Do they go quarterback? Do they just roll the dice on one of these defensive linemen? But I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. I don't think that's what they need to be doing right now. I think a a key thing here, just to jump in, is Mm -hmm. I think I I believe Jalen Carter has an individual workout still coming up Mm -hmm. um, uh, that I hadn't been aware of. But assuming that's true, you as a Seahawks fan, for every reason, want him to show out there and to start generating more confidence and more buzz. Because even if the Seahawks have decided they don't want him, you know, maybe Arizona decides to go after him if like the Seahawks don't want him, or maybe more people want to trade up to five, not to get a quarterback, but because they think that this guy is going to get picked by someone else. So I think that's another pivotal point to kind of keep an eye on. We want Jalen Carter to be valuable. Yeah. Either for Seattle or someone else, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian, this one's for you. Tight end is this is from Will. Tight end is not necessarily top of the shopping list when it comes to the team needs, but it's hard not to get excited with this class between Kincaid, Mayer, Washington, and Musgrave. Um, if you could get a late round pick for Fant, would you be willing to spend high draft capital on one of these guys? Yeah. I mean, Washington is a guy I, Jeff and I are super enamored with, and I've seen him start to creep into some first round mocks and, you know, some PFF has him as like a late second round pick. We'll see where this all plays out, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if I even need to see Noah Fant get traded to pick one of those guys. Mm-hmm. I just think that you got a lot of needs. That's not one of your top needs. So you've got to be sure that one of these guys is a big deal. Um, and I think there's a decent case to be made. So if it's not a third receiver that you're adding early, I think you could make a case that a tight end could, could be a pretty big addition. I think I'd be more excited about, or more accepting maybe is the proper term um, for one of those top four picks to be a tight end other than a wide receiver. I don't know why. That's Cause you like way. tough. Dana. I do. I like, I like the role people. Yes, that's exactly it. Because and you're not wrong. Jeff and I, when we've yeah. done these mocks and we pick a, a receiver, like a small receiver early, that is one of the things we just end up feeling like this team didn't get tougher. And right. I think we all are sick of seeing a team that gets pushed around. Yes. Yeah. Can we have a whole team of defensive players? I'd be down. Like I'm <laughs> the Notre Dame tight end. I don't know. Dana. Mayor. Mayor. Um, he plays like a, a more like, do you remember Heath Miller from Pittsburgh? Oh, sure. Yeah. That's his style. He's not Travis Kelsey where you're stretching him out. That's more Kincaid, the guy from Utah. Mayer is like a tough SOB, like built like Gronk. Doesn't move like Gronk. It's not six foot eight, but 
he makes your team physical. He makes your team better. And you got to play San Francisco and you got to play all these teams, Philadelphia, like the best trench team in the league. So I think a tight end not only helps the passing game, but it, there's other ways to make your team tougher other than adding offensive line. Mm-hmm. And we've seen George Kittle as much as he pisses us off in the division. He really makes that team tougher. And he's just a nasty guy. And like, I think Mayer and Darnell Washington, who's kind of emerging, he, he was a blocking tight end at Georgia. He's a freak athlete that may he might go just because people will get excited about him. But I think adding him changes your team a lot more than just dropping in. And I know a third receiver opens up the passing game in ways that I, I do think are necessary. But I think toughness is just – you put on the tape of that Oakland game last year. I'm not that Vegas. I'm not even called Oakland anymore. Uh, Carolina. Uh, the Carolina game was – I think that was the most sick that I was when I watched that Carolina game. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders game was pitiful. And there was a couple other ones. Yeah, like when Jamal Williams ran for like a 70-yard touchdown on them. There's you know, there's a couple other games I'm drawing. But New Orleans game with Taysom Hill. And like they need to get physical and tough. And I think tight end is a way to do it. Uh, I'm trying to find more draft because there's other questions kind of peppered in in between there um let me see um let me see oh this is interesting okay so brian here al woods departure leaves a gaping hole at nose tackle that brian monet with his injury won't be able to fill how do you address this roster hole trade free agent draft or combo it may be all of those things (laughs) i mean that that's just the truth i I do have some concern that the team might be thinking that Jaron Reed is part of the answer there. I hope I'm wrong, but I have a little bit of concern there. I was pretty disappointed that they didn't go after Greg Gaines, uh, signed with Tampa. I thought he was a really potentially good add. Not only is he a good run player, but he is a pretty decent pass rusher as well. So sad to see that not work out you still have i think Calais campbell hasn't signed anywhere i think he's a good veteran cheap option that could be like you know uh, a good fit he could be an al woods kind of guy like older but you know a real mentor to other guys and he's a guy that the seahawks front office has loved forever like mcdowell was picked to be the next Calais campbell in their minds mm-hmm. um but there are at least two, and you could argue there's three or four pretty interesting nose tackles in this draft. Um, the one who's been getting a lot more buzz as of late is, is Mazzy Smith from Michigan. This is a guy that is a freak athlete. And Siaki Ika did not have a great combine. And so I think that dropped his stock a little bit. But he is a he's an old school big tub uh you know <laughs> run stuffing in the middle of the line so i think either of those guys would be super exciting to add and i've done a few mock drafts where the seahawks go defensive line, like will anderson jalen carter mazzy smith as their first <laughs> three picks and i'm like salivating i would yeah. be thrilled with something like that man there there's there's only one thing that would make me happier as a seahawks fan than seeing Calais Campbell get signed because I love him. Absolutely love him. And that would be, of course, if Miles Garrett ended up in Seattle, which is not going to happen. But 
I love Clay's Campbell. I would love that. So, okay. So Brian, this one is, no, I'm so sorry, Jeff, this one is for you. Um, interesting one. If Lamar Jackson plays next season at the rate at the Ravens for the non-exclusive tag and the Seahawks don't draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft, do you guys think LJ becomes a viable or realistic option for Seattle the next season? Probably not. I, th I think they're still in the spot where they are now, where we talked about it months ago. I remember I threw it out there in the chat. Yeah. Everyone instantly shot it down. <laughs> I still think they're going to be, they're going to be in the spot where they can tag them again. And to get Lamar, you're going to have to give up two years of first round picks minimum and pay him over $40 million, probably closer to $50 million a year. And unless Seattle absolutely knocks this draft out of the park, which is possible because if you look at what they've done in the off season, it's pretty good. Like it reminds me a lot of what the Bengals did a few years ago where they brought in like Trey Hendrickson and Mike Hilton. I see a lot of Jermont Jones and Julian Love. Like, I see a lot of similarities there. But what made them good was those draft picks. And I still think Seattle's a couple drafts away. And I don't think just plopping in Lamar is going to what it makes this team. I think they still have work to do to build up the core. And that and also a $40 million player. I think that almost doesn't quite take you back to the Russell Wilson years where they're super lenient on one player because they have all these years of draft picks. But I just think there's still ways they need to go. And I don't think paying Lamar close to 30 is the way to go. Maybe you I'm saying it wrong. You don't think that they felt that they could only have one LJ on the, the roster <laughs> at a time and this was a, a move <laughs> to, to set up the next move? Okay, maybe I misread that. Maybe it was LJ Collier holding back all these years. Yeah. <laughs> of, I don't think that's it. If you ever want to watch a funny video, pull up the press conference from the first round of Pete and John. They look like ghosts. And that was the night they drafted LJ. And I think they knew they they fucked up and they blew. It was the worst, one of the worst draft processes, but they just looked shell-shocked. And <laughs> to say that it turned out similar to how a lot of us thought, it's kind of sad. All right, guys, I'm trying to go through these questions. I'm just going to do just a couple of more. So, um, uh, Brian, what is the week? This is from Matt. What is the weakest position group in this on the Seahawks? And how confident are you that Pete and John's ability to fix it? Weakest position group on the Seahawks? Yeah. Interior line. I mean, I, I, I linebackers right there, but like. We don't have, we do not have interior line as far as I'm concerned. Like Jaron Reed, I gotta say, like he just doesn't register for me. Like he's he's just a guy. Um, he's like LJ Collier, but a little bit better. Like I don't know, he's just not he's not someone that excites anything uh, for me. So as far as impact to the team, if they don't get a lot better on the interior line, I think that has the biggest potential impact. Linebacker, I think Jeff's right, is pretty barren as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, two more questions. Jeff, this one's for you. It's from Derek. He said he's cheating and he's submitting the poll that he put up earlier. So if you were on Slack earlier, might have already seen this poll that he put up. Would you rather have Noah Fant and Michael Mayer or JSN, Will Disley, and Parkinson? I'd probably go with JSN, Bisley, and Parkinson. I think that makes you the most well-rounded. And I think it opens up a lot of what they don't have just roster-wise. 
Uh, I think I think JSN perfectly fits what Brian was talking about. He's not Doug. I think he's he's a little different than Doug. He's he's just a guy who can dominate with quickness. He's not a fast guy, and I think him. And if you have those tight ends who can block, I think he really makes you well-rounded. I didn't love Noah Fan last year. I think he's sort of like that, similar to like a Jimmy Graham style player, where he's he's fine as a blocker, but he's more of like a pass catching tight end. I think the combination of the other two makes you more complete. That's the one I voted for too, just so you know. <laughs> All right, Brian, this is the last one. It's going to be for you. Um, what percent chance, and this is the one that everyone wants to know, right? This is it. So what is the percentage chance Bobby signs back with the Hawks? What would a good deal look like for the Hawks? And what would a good deal for Bobby look like? You know, this one seems pretty straightforward. You know, the the Seahawks, I, I, I believe that all the coaches, all of the players want Bobby back. I think the personnel office is not prioritizing that move. And I think that they are betting that the market for Bobby is depressed enough that they can get him for a pretty low number. Bobby is smart and savvy and will decide what his worth is in terms of what he's willing to play for. And I think he's probably going through that right now. I think he wants to come back and look, you got Levante David signed a one year, $7 million contract. I think those two are pretty similar um, in age and in play uh, and in value. I think that that is the ceiling for Bobby. I don't think it's at all realistic that he'll get more than that. If he does good on him, he won't be a Seahawk if that's the case. I believe that the Seahawks will likely offer something in the 4 million range, maybe three to 4 million range that has incentives that could make it be worth more. Um, and the question will be whether Bobby wants to, to play for that. Um, there's a chance he decides it's not worth it. Um, and if he doesn't have better offers elsewhere, he doesn't have to play, but I'm, I was much more hopeful before. I, I think that I think the chances are like in the thirty percent range that that something still works out. But it's probably I, I was in the like had gotten up to like the seventy percent range. I, I think we're probably in the below fifty percent range now. Hmm. That will make me sad too. Just saying. <laughs> but all right, those are our Patreon questions. There were some more for those of you who had other questions in there. I'm sorry. I just felt like we had kind of covered the topics you talked about already. So, so that is it. Now, Brian, you wanted to finish the show with a quick little mock draft. I want to torture you with a mock draft, no, Dana. Because the two of you crack me up with your mock draft. So I love it. So go ahead. All right. All right. So everybody, this is a big deal. We're getting Dana to do a mock draft. This is, <laughs> uh, I, I can't say yeah. for sure this is Dana's first mock draft, but. It might be. <laughs> I, I think it might be. So let's all help her with this process. Um, I assume you're able to see this, Dana and Jeff. Mm -hmm. Um the way I've got it set up is the normal draft order. We're not having Arizona trade out for this draft. Um, I can't remember if I, yeah, let me go back. We're going to do a three round mock. Okay. 
It goes very fast, Dana. I promise. Dana, I, I promise. Am I going to pass? Fail? What's going to happen here? Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go through this, and we're gonna start. And the first thing is Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and then Jalen Carter goes. So this is what's happened, Dana. Bryce Not Young goes happened, first. Brian's computer exploded for the record. So. <laughs> yes, I, I made sure that my yeah, computer was seven. fresh and ready for this. CJ Stroud goes second. Mm -hmm. I'm really fascinated by how this, it will be shocking to me if if CJ Stroud doesn't go first. I think he is just clearly the the top notch quarterback, but we'll see. This is the upset. Jalen Carter goes three. Anthony Richardson goes four. What do you do, Dana? Anderson, of course. Anderson, no hesitation. You don't no. want to look back. Nope. Nope. Let me just show you what some options are just in case like lost. The Raiders are interested. Um, let's see. Everybody's interested now, right? You got a lot of people interested, you know, you, love us is sitting there. Yeah. So you just go straight in. You take Will Anderson. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Done. Will Anderson's a Seahawk. All right. Dana. Jeff, yes. Jeff <laughs> is excited. Turning the card for Will Anderson. All right. Right, and now we're, we're we're moving along here. There goes oh. Jeff's guy. JSN's gone. Brian Branch, I want to talk about for one second. So one aspect that we didn't discuss with the Julian Love signing is something Jeff brought up. Why don't you talk about that for a second and how it relates to Brian Branch? So Brian Branch was a guy that me and Brian had been kind of eyeballing as that 20th pick. And we were talking about how there was a roster need and how he was just one of like the cleanest, toughest players in the draft. And he's a slot guy and he's a guy you can move all over. And when they signed Julian Love, who's probably not, doesn't have the ceiling as Brian Branch is a first round guy from Alabama, but their style and their role is similar. So I think what the Love signing did as much as everyone focused on Jamal Adams, I think it showed that me and Brian were kind of on point, a player that they needed. And two, I think it takes Branch off the board for Seattle. I think Julian Love is that guy and a guy that we are hoping for. It's now no longer an option in my opinion. Yeah, it's a positive negative. Like I'm really happy they signed Julian Love. I don't think that they probably were going to get Brian Branch almost in any way. Um but if he falls, I don't think you can take him. I, like I don't think mm -hmm. that there's a like before Jeff and I were like you just take him. It's mm -hmm. a Baltimore Ravens pick. Now I just don't even think you can take him. No, I think he's totally at, off the board now. Mm -hmm. So now Dana is interesting. So your first pick was an edge rusher, Will Anderson. So you don't really need more edge. You've got Daryl Taylor. You've got Ichena Nuosu. You've got Boye Mafe. Now you got Will Anderson, right? Mm -hmm. So now you've got some other players left. You've got Kalijah Kansi, who is like, he is kind of like Draymond Jones. He is not like the middle of your line. He's kind of like an edge of your line. Mm -hmm. Three top uh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. You've got this guy, Brian Bruzzi. The This took me three months to learn the pronunciation of his name. It is pronounced Bruzzi. Uh, he is he is more, uh, you know, he is closer to like a larger guy that could probably play a little bit in the middle um, as well. You've got Nolan Smith, who's another edge player, but he's kind of duplicative with Will Anderson. You've got receivers that I know you're excited about. <laughs> you got tight ends. 
what i mean you could go linebacker here you could trade back there's some good guards if you want to get even stronger at the offensive line position where do you want to go do you want to look at trade back do you want to pick here um is jacob jingleheimer schmidt already gone he's not okay that's he's not so Where's they have John him? Michael Schmitz rated very low here. Yeah. So they have him as someone that they'd take in the second round. A lot of mocks have been taking him for the Seahawks at this spot. So mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. have to follow their rankings. Hmm. Well, there's a few names that I constantly see over and over that get back to Seattle. Um, let's see. Collage is one of them. Breeze is one of them. Um, Zay Flowers, I see a lot of. You guys know how I feel about a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. um, but you do see a lot of people wanting to um, go after him. I, I don't know. I don't think that. Give Sorry. us a position that you. I think line. I think, well, I think linebacker, especially if they don't get another one, is probably pretty important at that point. I do think I am with you. I really want them to get a center and I would hate for them to be gone, but it does sound like they could get, maybe get them a little lower. Um, I don't know about Nolan Smith. I don't know about him. All right. Here, I'm, like, okay. there's nobody offering to trade, which is kind of shocking to me. This feels like a, a reason, like a place. This is a, this is the pick that I really think they should be looking to trade back from. Um, and they could trade back a number of picks because yeah, there's a number. Of, I don't think there's one option that jumps off the page here. Right. Okay. For good. me, it's easy. It's really a cancy pick, but like you know, I would hand in the card for that. But I also could really be down with trading down. I could uh, just really piss off Nathan and take the running back. Right. Like that would be hilarious. Is that what you want to do? You want to take Bijan? Like no, I do not want to take him. But that would be hilarious. If you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, let me see. So tell me what well, you guys feel the difference between um Cancy and Bree. No, oh, I'm sorry. How do you say his name? Bruzzy. I know. It's I gotta learn it. I'm going to the draft, so I gotta remember that. So Bruzzy. Okay. So tell me what what's your why are you so much stronger on him than Bruzzy? Jeff, do you have a point of view here? Um, Cancy's more of like a disruptor, more of like a interior pass rusher. Mm-hmm. He's a little smaller. He's got small arms, but he it's, it's, it's exactly he's a twitchy penetrator. Exactly, and Jermont Jones that's kind of his spot. Breezy is more of like a freak athlete. He was like the number one recruited position that hasn't hit really hit yet. Mm -hmm. He's more of a projection athletically. Kansi's more of like a productive guy. So it's totally different spots on your line. Sure. It just depends what you're looking at. If you say he's, he's an elite athlete. This is yeah, the way I would put it. Yeah, just to join with Jeff. They're essentially inverse. Kansi has mm -hmm. proven it, has been incredibly impactful on the field. He's got some questionable physical traits. Bruzzy's got terrific physical traits, has been questionable of his impact on the field. Well, then you go with Kansi. I mean, that's just, to me, is a logical pickup there. I'm really sorry for our listeners that you guys have to learn with me here. <laughs> There's other people that want to know. This yeah. is you're doing great. So we're gonna go ahead and draft Kalaja Kansi. Yep. I'm excited. We've now addressed two of the positions on the defensive line. There goes your running back. Uh Bruzzy goes 25. Osiris Torrance, who's a guard, a lot of people interested in, goes. 
Drew Sanders, the linebacker that a lot of people are interested mm-hmm. in, goes. Trenton, Trenton Simpson, Simpson, another linebacker. And now it's back to the Seahawks. Right. So now Dana. <laughs> I didn't know I was the only one picking today. You're okay. not going to have to be the only one, but like <laughs> Jeff and I have done this a lot. Right. That's true. There is the option here to go with like the big dude here. Mm-hmm. This is Mazzy Smith. And we say big, like this dude's big. Um, and, you know, have basically three new linemen um, that play different roles. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can make the case for a guy like Adebowari because he plays the same position as Cansey and Draymond mm-hmm. Jones. You don't really need another one of those. Um, I don't think you can really make the case for edge. This is a place, Dana, that you could say, I just want to get the center. Mm-hmm. That's what I It is thinking. a place you could say, I want to get a guard and maybe I'll take a center with the 51st pick. It's a place you could get a tight end. It's a place you could go linebacker. Um, so all of those are kind of options mm-hmm. at this spot. I was thinking center, to be quite honest with you. I think you have to flip the side of the ball there. Yes. So... so who do you have any preference here? Do you want to, you, you want a little rundown of the difference? Between... Yeah. So you said you like Whipler and Schmitz. Yes. Um. So why do you like Whipler? Um, Whipler is just kind of a pretty projectable player. He, he fits the mold as a center. Um. He performed like he, he did great where I had questions about Jalen Carter and his performance in the championship, like the playoff games. Mm-hmm. I thought Whipler came out looking wonderful um, and had a really strong performances. Um, he's just a solid all around player. So I, I think, I think this guy is solid in that way. I think Schmitz is a guy that, you know, similar build. He's a little bit on the older side, um, which isn't the best, but Jeff, you make the case for, for Schmitz. Um, I think Schmitz, he's not the athlete that we saw with Creed Humphrey, mm-hmm. but I just think he's the most well-rounded guy to position. I think Whipler probably is a little steadier as a pass blocker. I think Schmitz is probably the more complete guy in terms of like run blocking, just like the prototypical center. He reminds me a lot of some of just like the better center prospects that come out. You can see what he needs to work on is anchoring and kind of so you see, yeah, look, the 84, mm-hmm. pretty good run blocking grades too. Mm-hmm. So he's a little better of a pass blocker. Schmitz just seems like he was the guy who like dominated senior ball practices. He's just from Minnesota, Big Ten. Like they're both pretty. Like, and yeah, yeah. See, as what I said, yeah. he's the cleaner run blocker. And if you looked at Seattle's run game in the second half of the year, they really mm-hmm. struggled holding that point of attack. Austin Blythe is getting blown up left and right. And he's still an 80% 80 pass block. So it's not like he's deficient there. So to me, that's where I see him standing out a little more. I think where you, what you, I think what Jeff and I like about Schmidt Mm -hmm. is this feels like the junkyard dog kind of guy in the middle of your line. Like he is going to be nasty. He's going to be physical. And there's just something that screams like this guy's going to find a way to be an effect. Like you're, I think there's a pretty high floor on him. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, see about the ceiling. Now, some people like this Joe Tipman guy. 
out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin's had a number of great offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. For me, he profiles more as like just a guy. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not as excited about Tipman. Um, he is a, he is a, you know, a, a good athlete. And I think from a movement perspective, you could make a case that he's the best fit for our scheme and, and how the Seahawks run, because there's a lot of movement in our scheme and pulling and that kind of stuff. It's just not what I'm excited about. I, I want someone who's more physical than he is. Mm -hmm. I'm debating now with it's too high for a center. Yeah. 37. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing what. Okay. So you really liked Mazzy. So you can go smart. interior. You can go linebacker. Yeah. Go tight see. end. Where are we sitting with the line? Is this a, is this a strong linebacker class? I, all I've really heard about is the tight ends and the quarterbacks and the defensive linemen. But. I think a lot uh, of the linebackers that are interesting for this are gone. Both just went. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Campbell's a guy who's moved into this range. Jack Campbell is like your prototypical middle linebacker. I mean, big dude, 250. Um, he does everything okay. He's not the best, like, he's not going to be the guy that's a great coverage linebacker. Like, he's going to be mostly, like, kind of more a classic middle linebacker, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and the challenge here is if you draft a guy like Jack Campbell, might want to do it then you're pretty much saying Jordan Brooks is going to be a will linebacker instead of your middle linebacker mm. when he comes back and which he can do. He's played that role before, but I don't think Jack Campbell can't play well. Okay. Then let's ignore Jack Campbell. Well, we don't want him on there. Okay. You guys, I'm, I'm a little, I don't want to waste everyone's time and I'm a little, you need help. Yeah. I, I feel like you guys are leaning Mazzy, but I, I can't really tell. All right, Jeff, I'm going in a different direction here. I want to oh, see okay. if you're with me on this. Oh, are you a wide receiver? No. Okay, good. Tight end. <laughs> I'm going Darnell Washington. I love it. Okay. All right, Dana, we're going to sell you on Darnell Washington. Right okay. Now. Over Musgrave? Okay. Six foot six, 264 pound tight end. This guy is great at blocking, like just, just a like, from a tight end perspective, big boy. Mm -hmm. He also at six, seven, good receiver, good athlete. He's just someone who makes you tougher. Uh, and I think he's a really unique player at this position. There's not, there's other tight ends for sure in this draft. There's mm -hmm. no one else like him. And so I think this pick would get me super excited. Well, you know, my motto for this season has been the taller, the better, right? That's, <laughs> that's my, that's my whole season. It's the taller, the better. All right. I'm down to taking a tight end. We're down. Season. We're yeah, all good here. Good. All right. That's we good. have now added, I am getting very excited about this draft. <laughs> Let me be super clear. This draft is going this to is be Brian well. draft. This is. So well, there goes Mazzy. There goes Schmidt. So we lost Schmidt. Oh, okay. Well, He's then gone. you better take your other center, Wiley or whoever it is. So, I mean, Jeff, are we taking Whipler here? Whipler, or are we waiting until the third round? Oh. I, th I think you got to pull the trigger. Yeah, because someone took 
Jingleheimer Schmidt, you know they're going to go after the next one. Gone. Yeah. So I will I will quickly make the case for a different position. I think that there's two other positions you got to be thinking about. One is linebacker mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and one is cornerback. Okay. And you might think, why? Not Siakia Oh, 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 we already did. No, we didn't draft. It's good point. Sorry. We did not draft our interior player. Oh, okay. um, really good point, Jeff. So I really like Brent's. I think Ika is a good call here. So let me show you a little bit about him. Um, it's a good name. Big dude, like three thirty-five at only six foot three. He is a he is a uh, fire hydrant, as you say, um, at the middle of the at the middle of the line. This is a guy, Jeff. We haven't talked about as much. I think Eli Ricks is a sneaky pick for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you why. So. This is a guy, taller corner, long arms. He is what? A press corner. He's a press corner from Alabama. Who is our defensive backs coach? Carl Scott. Carl Scott. Oh, sorry. I was reading. (laughs) Yeah, totally fine. So I am curious. Like we talked about how Pete Carroll was a cheat code for us the first few years when he came out of college because he had so much info about so many of the college players. I'm interested if Carl Scott is going to be for the next year or two, have some insight on Alabama players, maybe other SEC players that we might not otherwise have. It wouldn't shock me if an Alabama player, you know, gets, gets pushed up the board. Yeah. Well, 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 Anderson. That's right. That's right. I wouldn't be surprised if he is in all of their ears about Will Anderson, not that he needs to be. So this one's a tough one. I, I, as much as I really like the center spot, I feel like I might eat my words, but I'm like, you're not going to get some of these guys in the third round. I think you got to take Ika. What do you think, Dana? You want to get the big ugly? You want the center? Here's my only concern you want is you know the line on the offensive line, or you want the middle of the line on the defensive line. Here's the here's the thing is you know when one goes, there a tendency to be a run on it. So I mean, your you know beloved centers might be gone. That's um, right. But I don't know because right we have Evan Brown, so maybe it's not as high of a priority and need. You know they just want someone else to compete with him. Um, so I always go defense. So Ika is the. <laughs> quite a name Ika is the one that you guys like on that big one. ugly yep yeah all right i'll go with the i'll go with your opinion on that one okay all right so we have still, now still the third round pick we have one more pick to go okay. and then then you're off the hook dana <laughs> i don't know how i've done but we're gonna move this along a little bit faster because we can here we go now we're cooking. i really like that second round I, I really like the way this draft is going for the Seahawks in general. This is good. And by the way, Damn I think, it, oh, look that would it. hurt. Oh, that would hurt. Oh, boy. Oh, we would have to trade up in that scenario. Maybe. Yeah, Tipman's gone as well. Well, Rick's uh, not there, but we would have had to trade up in that scenario. Yeah. So now you're in this, this is the situation you get in. I mean, like I start looking at a guy like Dorian Williams. Um, did we get a nose tackle yet? We did. That <laughs> we was, did. Ika. okay. That's what I'm sure. Okay. 
And so, like, basically what this means is Evan Brown's your center, and, like, you're going to have to figure yeah. out. It was that kid from Michigan who won the Outlet Trophy last year. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are there are other centers that I like, but they're much later. Like, right. you don't everyone thinks I'm crazy now. for liking Forsyth from Oregon. He's probably, like, a seventh-round pick, but I think he's an interesting center prospect. Um your Ricks is still sitting there too. You got Ricks. I think he's interesting. You could go receiver. You could go running back. You could go linebacker. Dorian Williams is a guy we keep coming back to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love his athleticism. I love the fact that he's a great coverage linebacker. God forbid we have someone who can cover somebody. Um, You know, so he's interesting. Uh, Let me scroll down here a little bit more. I like Mike Morris, but we don't really need another edge mm-hmm. at this point. Don't need another safety. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think you're at wide receiver. I think wide receiver. Yeah. You go wide receiver. Well, I'm Doug's guy. I think to be honest with you, I would go wide receiver. Nothing against the cornerbacks. It's just that I just feel like. We need to maybe balance this out just a little bit. Um, oh my gosh, Dana! I never thought I'd hear you say that. <laughs> you know, I love the defense, but um, yeah. So we we drafted one guy on offense. Get down the field. I'm sorry, Jeff. What? Michael Wilson. Mm-hmm. I said Nate Dell at the top. There's a little guy who's got like explosive speed. He's yeah, five eight or something. Yeah, he's super yeah, smart. Um, but he is very guy. You know, my, I, not my model. Mike Wilson's the Doug Baldwin guy who is. Well. Yes, this is the guy that Doug Baldwin is a big fan of. I have well. to admit, as much as I love Doug, I don't trust that he's not just enamored with him as being a good guy from Stanford. Right. So I, I, I'm a little yeah, concerned. He had about a really that. quiet college career. Kate, well, they had very bad quarterbacks and offense at Stanford the last few years. He went to the Senior Bowl and was the best receiver at the Senior Bowl. Wilson mm-hmm. was? Yeah. Tyler Scott is another guy who's a receiver that has speed. Five ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smallish. Yeah. All right. So you're going mm-hmm. you're going receiver, eh? I think so. Uh, I think we have a, we have a small shifty guy. Um, all right, Doug Baldwin. I'm going to go with Michael Wilson. You're going to go Michael Wilson. Jim, all right. Maggie, will love, Maggie will love this pick. Done. Done. That's the only pick I would have done differently. For yeah. Hey, would you have okay. gone corner back there? I if probably would have been boy. gone corner there. Yeah. There were some corners I liked there. That I think could have been good. But let's see how they, they graded. Oh, your they graded you. Oh, Lord. <laughs> how you feeling about it before the grade comes out? Uh, how you feeling? I feel okay. Ah! B plus. C. D minus for This is We did this to you, though. So if, like, <laughs> if you didn't have this, you'd have a much higher grade. Uh, God, that's a good draft. I'll take a B plus for a first mock draft. That's not so bad. Jeff, how would you feel if this is, if this is how the first three rounds went? Very fired up. That first four is like dreamy to come out of the draft with that. I don't think you'll end up getting all that talent 
But to me, you, you, you cover up the defensive line. You, you knock the defensive line out of the park. You get the best pass rusher in the draft. And then you, you knock off the two biggest needs on offense. I'd be a little freaked out with the no center, but you can get the Michigan guy, Olu, who won the Outland Trophy. He's the fourth round. He's still available. Um, to me, you're covering basically all the needs we have. Speed, physical, you got the nose tackle, you got the weapons on offense. If, I, I would be thrilled with that top four. Now, Dana, you know yeah. Jen Maz, right? You know, you yes, see her course, yeah. you see her all over the place. Yeah. She's not a fan of our draft. Oh, I'm sorry, Jen. She <laughs> is not a fan of our draft. She says that this draft sucks. Oh, sorry. thanks, Jen. You know, That's so wow. what, what's the problem? <laughs> I I will have to have Jen like add more comments in, in chat here to get a little more detail. Yeah, I like but... it. That's, that's a fiery answer. I would have liked a center. I'm not going to lie, but I I don't know that it was a high enough need. Damn it, they got him one one spot before us. But that's yeah. why I, that's why I think 37. I think if Schmitz is there, I think you got to pull the trigger. Yeah. I I don't think that if those are your first three picks that you can say this is a sucky draft. Um, yeah. Those three picks by itself, I think, are highly likely to have a lot of impact for your team and to make this team more fun to watch tougher more competitive and i even think Ika, like the first four picks what i really liked about the way this draft was going um was how tough it was this mm -hmm. was a toughness draft and that's part of what was getting me towards the corner or a linebacker with the last pick because i think it would have been a nice rounding out of that I don't know enough about Wilson. I haven't seen enough of him to have a strong perspective. Uh, I'm not looking for another tall outside receiver. I'm looking for a shifty interior receiver. And mm -hmm. so he doesn't get me quite as he, that's not what he is. Um, <laughs> Jen is telling me that I shouldn't quit my day job. Oh. Um, <laughs> so she's blaming you. Good. Yeah. Jen, just blame it, him. This is it, his fault. That's totally okay. <laughs> Um, I, I, I have not quit my day job since I've started doing, uh, Hawk blogger and it's worked out for everybody. So, um, yeah, I'm just trusting Doug Baldwin. So if anyone talks to Doug Baldwin, you tell him that I trusted him and his opinion. So no. we'll let him know. How, so how was that experience for you, Dana? Did you feel a little bit of the stress of like so many choices and how do you figure out what you do at this spot versus the next spot? I, I did. I, the interesting thing about it though, is that, you know, with not all the inside knowledge. So I think honest to God, you know, sitting there in the war room with all the information that you have and all the information from the scouts and everything like that would almost make it harder because yeah. then you're getting down to like the little tiny details, unless you're completely sold on someone and he's sitting there like Will Anderson or whoever, you know what I mean? But I almost think it would make it harder where I'm looking at position levels. I'm like, well, we haven't had, you know, we need to get an offensive guy, blah, blah, blah. It would just be, it would be difficult with all the little nuances of it. And then you have to fight. And maybe this is just me, but a fight, it's like, oh, but he's such a nice kid sort of a thing, you know, versus because I know that matters yeah. to a lot of these guys. So I think that that's interesting, too. You got that, Jeff. You've got calls coming in, calls going out oh, to yeah. see about trade options, to see like you're trying to anticipate. 
you've got not people think about that they have their board and they just have all the player stack rank which they have that but they also have the position groups and they're looking at numbers and they're like there's certain guy they have a certain number of guys that are above the draftable line and there's a number of guys that are below or not on their board and if they're seeing those positions start to tick away even if it's not the best player they're like we know we want a nose tackle mm-hmm. we don't want to let him go so now we draft do we overdraft Ika and mm-hmm. lose a chance to get a better player at another position and there's a lot of factors and it's all happening with the timer unlike what we had there's a there's mm-hmm. a ticking clock on this stuff so you know the thing that that I have not yet gotten John to to really go in detail when i've talked to him he likes to stay at a, at a high level but I, i'm just fascinated by how he goes about his decision making process like mm-hmm. you have to have a philosophy about making decisions to do that role it is mm-hmm. it is like that is the whole job almost is the quality of your decisions and whether you get better at it or not and so I think it's a real fascinating scenario. And uh, we just got to see Dana's decision-making process <laughs> in real time. And I personally, I personally give her a much higher grade than Jen Maz. So <laughs> that's okay. Darn it, Jen. <laughs> um, all right. Well, as always, you can pretty much guarantee every time we're going to be on here, we're going to be doing some kind of mock draft because we can't help ourselves. <laughs> this was fun to do with Dana. I want to thank Dana O'Gorman for hosting tonight. You did a wonderful job. Uh, I thought your muting was actually clever. It kept me engaged. And, so sorry. you know, I think that's a good a good thing to continue. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Always bring in the insights. Always bring in new info. Wrong. If you haven't been reading him on hawkblogger.com, please go do that. He's written some great stuff. And then if you haven't, please give the show a like. We appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up now. Get instant access to the Slack channel. There are debates raging about what to do with this pick, with these picks, with the rest of free agency. It's a great place to be. And as you know, proceeds go to great charity. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And we will be back next week at our normal time on Wednesday. Until then, take care and go Hawks. So it's a big day for the Seahawks tomorrow. They're sending their whole contingent to Ohio State. I know. Everyone's thinking about C.J. Stroud. Luke Whipler is they're sending the OC. They're sending the director of player personnel. <laughs> Luke Whippler is a guy that they're, I think they've done a lot of, they're going to do a lot of homework on. And my guy, JSN, it's not just CJ Stroud they're looking at. I think you're right. I, I think, think you're absolutely right. Sending their OC in to meet Whippler, I think that's a big deal. And they're sending everyone. If you see Albert Brewer's tweet, they're sending like nine people to Ohio State mm-hmm. tomorrow. So everyone might think it's for Stroud, but Stroud's probably going one or two unless they're making a move up. There are some Ohio State guys we just mentioned. It's a big day for them tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Great call. Jeff, as always with the insights. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody. Take care. Go Hawks.